the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Christ didn't simply heal a paralyzed man. He transformed him, both physically and spiritually. Those who are saved understand the very physical and spiritual relationship they have with Jesus Christ. If you know this, want this for someone else or for yourself, keep listening. The Transformative Power of Christ with Pastor John Allworth starts now. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor John Allworth coming to you live from the KKHT studios, and I hope you're out there driving and being safe today. Um, We're going to have a... I think asked some really critical questions today that every believer has asked themselves, I think, at one time or another. Um, And certainly, you know people that have asked these questions. And, of course, we're all called to to witness to other people and to make disciples of all nations. And so I think it's important to to know how to answer these questions that we're going to ask today. But before we start, let's pray. Father God, we just come to you with such gratitude in our hearts. You are such a loving, forgiving God, and we thank you for that. We thank you for saving us. Uh, We thank you for loving us. Uh, We ask that the words that are spoken today be yours and, and not ours, and that this message be blessed and anointed, and that it reach ears that are ready to hear and hearts that are ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the three questions that I'm going to ask, and we actually discussed these at our church service yesterday. We're a new church plant. Uh, we're in the heart of the city. We're at uh, 240 West 18th Street um, in the Heights, in the heart of downtown Heights. We're New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, and uh we have been we actually started our church on march the first uh twenty twenty which of course was right when covid hit uh, but we've been back live in our building for a while now and we've got a beautiful sanctuary for you to come worship with us and and uh, to meet us we're a non denominational bible based spirit filled recovery church and you say well why recovery church well everybody's recovering from something the bible is a a book about recovery so anyway these three questions are have i done too much for God to forgive me. Have I done too much for God to forgive me? That's question number one. Number two, have I done too much for God to use me? That's question number two. Have I done too much for God to use me? And the question number three is, have I done too much for God to bless me? You see, because we have all made mistakes, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the answer to those three questions is no. (laughs) And those are lies from the pit of hell. And to reverse it, you have not done too much for God to forgive you. You have not done too much for God to use you. And you have not done too much for God to bless me because we've all made these mistakes and we've all made mistakes. And God is a loving, forgiving God. And I think I'm going to prove that to you today with one exception. So, you know, we we see in John chapter 8, verse 44, that Satan is the father of all lies. Jesus basically says, if Satan's moving, if his lips are moving, he's lying. And uh, I paraphrase there, but that's basically what he's saying. And, you know, so many of us, Satan wants to tell us that. The world wants to tell us that. Uh, you've done too much. God God doesn't love you. God can't use you. You've done these things. And, and that's the opposite of the truth. 
Romans 3.23, as we said before, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In fact, let's set the stage. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house. And we know him as Matthew now, but he was Levi at that time. And uh, after following, after asking Levi to follow me in Mark chapter 2, he ate with the tax collectors and the sinners. And, you know, tax collectors at that time back in Israel, they were the worst of the worst because... They were uh, representatives of the Roman occupying government. And not only that, they typically padded their own pockets and ripped off their fellow Israelites. And so they were really looked down upon. And that's a theme in the Bible uh, in the New Testament. And so the Pharisees, that's another theme, Jesus' antagonist, the Pharisees asked, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, and this is a really critical scripture in, in Mark two seventeen, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's me and you. We're sinners. Jesus came for us. It's, it's reinforced in Luke nineteen ten when Jesus again is eating with another tax collector. You know, Jesus came for everybody. And he wanted, that's why this program is called the transformative power of Christ, because he can transform anybody's life. I hope you're saved and I hope you have an intimate relationship with him. But you know people that don't, that need to experience the transformative power of Christ. And that's what we're trying to do on this program is inspire you to do that. So he's eating at another guy's house named Zacchaeus, who's the chief tax collector. And he's gotten very rich by doing exactly what I said, patting his own pockets. And uh, he, but that he decides after visiting with Jesus, he says, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And that's that's what our ministry is about at New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, because you see, I was lost at one point. Very, very, very lost. And I experienced the transformative power of Christ. And and so we were called into the middle of the city, which some believe is a very difficult part place to start a new church because there's lots of churches in Houston, and there's a lot of but there's a lot of lost people in the middle of the city, and so you know we're here. Our church is an encouraging church, a loving church. We're gonna we're gonna welcome you with open arms, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. But we also need mature Christians because you know we're all called. We're not just called to sit back and. We're called to, to help people, to disciple people, to make disciples of all nations, to preach the gospel to all creation. It's what we're called to do. So we welcome one and all. And uh, we've, we've got, as I said, plenty of room to spread out if you're worried about COVID, and everyone should be, of course, and, but we've still got plenty of room to spread out. Masks are wel- welcome. Uh, people are getting vaccinated. There's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So come worship with us, 240 West 18th Street. Anyway, I'm going to show you in the Bible about the kind of people that we sometimes put on a pedestal. But really, these were just ordinary people that made some of the same mistakes that that you and I have made in life. But let's look what happened to them. First, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. And, And many of you know this story. You know, the prodigal son is the second son, and he takes his inheritance, and he goes out and squanders all his money in wild living. I can identify with that because I lived that way for a long time. And and then he ended up, there was a drought in the, in the country, and he ended up literally, you know, taking care of pigs and eating the pig slop. 
And he, he finally, he, he, the Bible says he came to his senses. And that's what everybody that's lost out there needs to do. You know, God wants no man to perish, but everyone to repent and come to salvation. And so he came to his senses, and he, he, he traveled home, and he thought, well, I've let God down. I've let my, de- my natural earthly father down, and I'm, I'm going home in disgrace. But, but when, he, when he got where his father could see him, he was there with open arms. And that's who our God is. He's there with open arms. And, and he said, kill the fatted calf. Let's have a feast. And he put a robe on him, put, put a ring on his finger, and he was welcomed home just as we are welcomed home at any time when we come back to the Lord. And, and you know, the, of course, the brother was was kind of upset about this, and that's how many of us are. Hey, wait a minute. I've been serving the Lord forever, but that's not the attitude we're supposed to have. We're supposed to welcome people into the kingdom. You know, there's a Jesus story, told a story about the workers in the vineyard. It's None of us can earn our salvation. We all are not worthy on our own. It's only through his grace and forgiveness that we are saved. And whether we're saved, you know, and uh, and live for him for decades or whether we're saved like the thief on the cross at the last minute that was to the right of Jesus, his gift is for everyone. And and really, the quicker we're saved, the quicker we come to him, the more we're blessed. You know, many people, my pastor, we're New Covenant Church Greater Heights and we're a our, our church, our parent church, is New Covenant Church in in Humble. He's an end times pastor, and he believes the signs are that that Jesus is coming back soon. Of course, the Bible tells us no man knows the time or hour. But I'll tell you this: if you're driving right now, I want you to be safe because it's dangerous out there, and your time could come at any point. So today, like Zacchaeus, today needs to be the day of salvation. If you have friends and relatives that aren't saved, that don't know Jesus Christ. We need to act with a sense of urgency. So let's look at some more stories. Let's look at the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. Well, this is a great story because Jesus knew everything about this lady. He knew that she was living with somebody that was not her husband. He knew that she'd been married five times. And the custom at the day was that a Jewish man didn't talk to a woman, much less a Samaritan woman. <laughs> I mean, but Jesus talked to her. And he said, if you, if you drink the water that I give you, it's the water of life. He forgave her. I mean, he didn't care that she'd made all those mistakes. He wanted to bring her into the kingdom, and she went back to her village and was all excited and brought everybody to see Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. Amen? So let's look at David. You know, the Bible tells us there are 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to exile in Babylon, and 14 verses, generations from exile to the Messiah. But when people referred to Jesus as the son of David, it really wasn't because of that lineage. It was because Jesus was seen as, as, as the Savior, the Messiah, a messianic figure, just like David was. David was considered the greatest king of all of Israel. And look at David. He slept with Bathsheba. King Solomon was born out of that. He sent Bathsheba's, Bathsheba's husband to the front line to get killed. He was a flawed person. Look how exalted he The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. God uses, can use anyone. Moses, a murderer, a stutterer. Yet God used him to, to confront Pharaoh and lead the, the, the Israelites out of Egypt. Let's look at a great example. 
Saul. Saul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Jesus is in conflict with the Pharisees throughout the New Testament. They try to trick him, you know, for healing on the Sabbath or for not following ritual, for eating, as we discussed earlier, with tax collectors and sinners. And ultimately, they plotted his death. Paul was the Saul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, educated in Jerusalem by the most famous rabbi of the era, a Roman citizen hated for their occupation of Israel. But God, if God can use him, he can use anyone. If God can use me, he can use anyone. So look around you. If you're with somebody, shake their hand, say, tell them, I'm glad God is using you today. Isn't that amazing? So God set this up wonderfully. In Acts chapter 7, verses 57 and 58, Paul observes sin. He sees Stephen being stoned. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, Paul approves of sin. The Bible explicitly says that Paul approved of Stephen's stoning. And then in Acts chapter 8, verse 3, Paul is actively engaging in sin. The Bible says, but Saul began to destroy the church. This is the worst type of sin, the worst type of sin, confronting God, opposing God. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. But then we come to chapter 9. And now Paul is getting letters from the chief priest to go to Damascus and to root out more Christians. You cannot have picked somebody more opposed to Jesus Christ. But he has his, his on the road to Damascus. Paul has his conversion. Paul sees Jesus Christ in, in, a, in, a, in a vision, and Jesus tells him, Paul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And amazing. Then he uses Paul to, to reach out to the Gentiles, to take the message, the gospel of peace and love and hope to you and me, to the Gentiles. <laughs> Just amazing. And Paul writes 13 of the books of the, of the New Testament. Isn't that wonderful? So I'm telling you, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter where you find yourself tonight, you can have your own road to Damascus experience. I did. I lived so much of my life not living for God, you know, just trying to serve my own worldly pleasures. And I had my road to Damascus experience. It wasn't the same as Paul's, but it was just every bit as real and just as much of a miracle. And it wasn't anything I did. All glory goes to God. All glory goes to the way he's, the things he set up, the people he put in my path, the things he's done for me in my life. One more biblical example. We've got the adulterous woman. We've all heard that story. And, and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, again, brought this woman accused of adultery and, and brought her to Jesus. And, and they said, Moses has commanded us to stone her. What do you say? Again, they're trying to trick Jesus. And Jesus starts drawing in the dirt. He says, well, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. <laughs> they gradually begin to leave because none of us are without sin. He's the only one that ever walked the earth. We're, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all make mistakes. And Jesus says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. 
He says, neither do I condemn you, but this is important, the back half of this. He says, go and sin no more. Or in the NIV, go now and leave your life of sin. So yes, God can forgive us. Yes, God can can use us no matter where we've been. You know, we are overcomers by the blood of the land. Revelation chapter 12, we are overcomers by the blood of the land. His blood which washes away our sin in the word of our testimony. And the, the truth is, God, like with Saul, the, the worst things we've done, those are the worst sins possible, opposing God in that way, persecuting Christians, killing them. He used him in such a mighty way. So no matter what you've done or if you've given up on a relative, you've given up on a loved one, you've given up on a, a child or a parent, God can use them in mighty ways with a mighty purpose and their testimony can be powerful and it can help other people. That's what our ministry at New Covenant Church Greater Heights is trying to do is give hope to people because we can't do anything, but we can lead them to someone that can in his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's not just biblical. And one of one of the wonderful blessings of my recovery ministry is that I've come across people that God has used in the same way. I interviewed on Recovery Radio Houston a pastor who passed away last year named Pastor Robert Dubois. And Robert Dubois, you know, he came on the radio and said this, so I don't mind sharing it. He'd gotten arrested something like 50 times. He grew up in a in a difficult situation. His mother died, a bunch of kids. His dad was off working. And he got arrested like something like 50 times. And one of the last times was he got arrested. He pulled a gun on a guy at a service station and robbed him. But then there in prison, he had his road to Damascus. His experience with Jesus Christ on his knees in a prison cell. And he went on, and for 39 years, he served the Lord. In fact, last Wednesday on Recovery Radio Houston, we interviewed the people that have carried on his ministry, Hope for All in Jesus Prison Outreach Ministry. 39 years, God used him to walk into the prisons and to preach the gospel, the gospel of hope and peace and love to those prisoners, and they changed lives. God used him. Look at all the things he'd done. There's my friend Boyd Harrell, who I've also had on Recovery Radio Houston. Cool Ministries, Christ Over Our Lives. He, Boyd said he started drinking alcohol at 8. He began shooting intravenous drugs at 13. Began stealing, robbing, multiple stints in prison. But again, one day on his knees, God put people in his path to, to show him who Jesus Christ was, that he was still loved, that he could be forgiven, that he could be used 27 years later now. He's back in the prisons. He went in two weeks ago for the first time into the Harris County Jail, and I forget what I saw on Facebook, but they had something like 20 inmates accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior right then and there in that church service. God can use anyone. Don't listen to the devil. Don't listen to that voice. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. Listen to that voice of love and hope. There's my friend Philip Vaughn, who's been on Recovery Radio also. Forty years of alcohol addiction now works at the open door mission you know doing their marketing and is just serving the lord he's a wonderful man of god now and he didn't even, when he went into the open door mission he wasn't even sure he believed in god but he had a spiritual awakening a transformation the power the transformative power of christ i just want to it's so wonderful it's so exciting I want that for because it happened to me. I want that for for you or people that you know that you love that are suffering. And we need help at our church, New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. 
240 West 18th Street. I didn't say this earlier. We meet at a, a time, even if you're going to another church, you can come worship with us because we meet at 6 p.m. on Sunday evening, Sunday nights in the Heights, 240 West 18th Street. We're a non-denominational, Bible-based, spirit-filled church. We'd love to worship with you. So there's only one, the Bible says, unforgivable son, sin. You know, I looked this up. Billy Graham said that the only unforgivable son, sin, I'm sorry, only unforgivable sin was unbelief. But the Bible tells us something in Matthew twelve thirty one. says, this is Jesus speaking, therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven. Any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Similar scriptures in Mark 3.28 and Luke 12.10. Now the context of these is, again, these Pharisees who were combating Jesus' message of love and hope and combating that he was the Son of God. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, who were were spreading lies about him, plotting and scheming to kill him, working against God's purposes. I think that's what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit means in those circumstances. But how good is our, our God? He is so wonderful. Because what did I just tell you about what Paul was doing? We've got examples in the Bible. Nicodemus, for example, was a Pharisee who came to believe in Christ. But Paul, the the persecutor of Christians, in 1 Timothy 1.13, we, we, we see where Paul wrote, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. That's how good God is. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor. So Paul, this wonderful man, you know, I'm running out of time, so we're going to continue this next week perhaps because i got so much more to say on this subject. Have I done too much for God to forgive me? No, you haven't. Have you done too much for God to use you? No, he can use you. Have I done too much for God to bless me? He will bless you when you start working and serving in his kingdom. And you say, I don't know how to serve. You serve in his kingdom by beginning to help others, by beginning to treat the least of these the way that Jesus Christ would want you to, to treat them. But let me give you a word of warning. I don't want to end this. Hebrews 10.26 says, If we deliberately keep on sinning, After we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment. At some point, you've got to make a stand. Like I said, time is short. You don't know when your time's coming. At some point, you've got to make a stand. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. Paul, the same man who was arrogant, self-righteous, judgmental, prideful, merciless, and a troublemaker, said, I die daily. That's what Christ calls us to do. And we'll make mistakes. We'll still sin. But the difference is now that we've accepted Jesus Christ in our heart, we really don't enjoy it anymore. We're not condemned. We're convicted. We really don't enjoy it anymore. Even Paul said, I know that nothing good lives in me, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. So don't let the enemy hold you down. Jesus wants, God is looking for people to have an intimate relationship with. He's not looking for perfect people, but he's looking for your heart. He wants to know your heart. And it's it's worth it. Paul, you know, he, he traded in the good life. He had his rich parents back in Tarsus. He had a life of ease and study. 
He traded it for the most incredible journey ever known to man other than Jesus' ministry. Shipwrecked, jailed, beaten, stoned, left for dead, and ultimately martyred. But you know what? He had the joy, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That's what we need to work for. We need to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, at the end of our race. And you know what? There's people out there that need you. God's got a purpose for you in your life. And you can do it. Stop listening to the wrong voice. Stop hanging out with the wrong people in the wrong places with the wrong temptation. Spend time with him in prayer, reading his word, and worshiping with others. Yeah, it's not always easy. You have to die to self daily. But the only way to do that is to do all things through Christ who strengthens you and to ask the Holy Spirit into your life. We're going to talk about this again next week. It's just so important. You can do it. We love you here at New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. But more importantly, God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Good night and amen.